Data Talks Podcast. Hi, this is Shane Vanderhart. Welcome to another episode. I just uh, had a conversation yesterday with Michael Johnson, who's the president of the Slavic Gospel Association. His ministry is is doing work in the former uh, countries that are part of the former Soviet Union. And we talked about their, their latest project, Christ in the Midst of COVID, um, as you may know, obviously, we in the United States are not the only ones impacted by COVID-19, but uh, other countries are as well. And, and Russia um, has not had the best response, and, and things have been pretty difficult for uh, your average Russians as well as the church. And anyway, uh, we had a conversation about what his minister, how his ministry is responding to this and how people can get involved. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Michael Johnson. Well, Michael, welcome to the Caffeinated Thoughts Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited about this. Very welcome. So I don't know if my listeners are aware of your organization. You you serve uh, the Slavic Gospel Association. Uh, tell us a little bit about that organization, how it got started, and what you guys do. So uh, the ministry was established in 1934 uh, by a man named Peter Danica. Uh, he came to this country in the early part of the 20th century. He's from a small he was from a small village in Belarus. There was a famine uh, throughout that uh, part of the country, and uh, his fam- certain family members members were dying. And so uh, the, his father, when he was um, I think he was like 14 years old. Uh, put him on a ship and sent him to the United States so he could secure employment and then send money back so that the families could um, survive. So um, he uh, uh, came to Chicago, uh, got saved through the ministry of Moody Church, and one thing led to another. And when the, and when the uh, persecution began to take hold in those countries, he started this ministry again in 1934. So during those years, the primary function of the, of the ministry was the covert distribution of books and Bibles uh, to mm-hmm. Christians and through the churches. But then in partnership with um, media, radio ministries such as Transworld Radio, HCJB, and Far East Broadcasting, we developed the Russian language programming that was broadcast uh, into those countries. Now, when the communists uh, came out and said that they were going to eradicate all forms of God throughout those countries and put the last Bible under glass at a museum in St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, we were broadcasting uh, Christian radio programming 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in, around, and through uh, the Iron Curtain And uh, in order to keep those countries open for the gospel. And so it was a great blessing to the people that live there. And uh, their favorite program uh, was basically a program where um, people would broadcast a radio program where they would simply read the scriptures slowly. So that uh, people on the other end, in their attics and in their basements, uh, could copy the scriptures down, uh, put their Bibles together, and distribute it throughout their villages. So, um, so God used the ministry in, in significant ways. When the wall came down, um, we partnered with the largest group of evangelical churches in those countries, the Baptist churches, mm-hmm. helped them to build their theological training infrastructure, seminaries, Bible institutes, um, different training programs, which was their biggest need because, as you know, Russia missed the Reformation, so there was no infrastructure. Right. And then, um, and then we, you know, we sponsored um, uh, uh, national church planting pastors. We sponsor hundreds of pastors who were then sent out into unreached towns and villages to plant new churches. And then we equipped 
those churches, as well as the broader network of churches, roughly 6,350 6, churches were connected to. And uh, we, um, um, when we equipped them to meet the physical needs and the spiritual needs of the people in their communities. So orphan ministries, um, humanitarian aid ministries, mm-hmm. um, we're equipping those churches to minister in the war zone. Um, there's still people suffering the effects of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster in 1986. So we're helping in those, in, in, in those areas, but also a lot of, you know, we have airplanes out in the you know, far East Russia where we're doing a lot of church planting activities there. And so we really follow the ministries of those churches over there and equip them uh, and their churches to do uh, expand their ministry outreach through resources and financial aid. You know, obviously, uh, evangelism is, is more is easier now that the that the Soviet Union is no longer. But I'm sure there's probably still challenges with because uh, the Russian uh, government, I, I wouldn't say exactly, is the model of democracy. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, what kind of challenges are you seeing right now with the with the particular uh, with 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 President Putin in charge and and uh, and the, and an well, they, government. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there were some uh, there there were laws that a number of years ago that uh, restricted uh, some evangelistic activities. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, um, evangelizing children. There's certain limitations to that. Um, and then there's some level of, of harassment against evangelical churches. So, for example, they. Uh, for the main uh, uh, seminary in Moscow, they pulled their license recently, and they're working to try to get that back. Um, churches are being fined for various reasons. So, um, but I would say that overall, there's more freedom uh, sure. for, to evangelize and preach the gospel in those countries than there was uh, before the wall came down. But yeah. and the other thing is that, you know, these guys. I mean, they, you know, their fathers and their grandfathers and pastors, many of these people were taken away in the middle of the night and sent out to Siberia, and they were martyred for their faith. So, I mean, you know, they understand what it's, what it's like to, to, um, to, to practice your faith in a uh, country like this where there's persecution. So they sort of expect it. I mean, Jesus said, right. because I was persecuted, you'll be persecuted, right? Well, <clears throat> so, but, you know, but for, so for me, just real quick, for me, I just feel privileged to be able to serve these churches. I mean, I feel privileged to carry their bags because those churches are being built on a foundation of great persecution and sacrifice, and they're really dedicated to taking advantage of the time that they have uh, to share the gospel with those in their cities, towns, and villages. Right. Well, before we started recording, you were telling me a little bit about how you got involved. How how did you come—you were an advertising executive, and now you're— leading a, a missionary organization. <laughs> talk, talk to us about yeah. that process. It, yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> you know, God, God sort of has a sense of humor here. So uh, uh, I got saved back in 1974 um, in California. It was on the tail end of the Jesus movement. And so uh, I spent a couple of years in a Bible institute and, um, and then finished my undergraduate work. And one thing led to another. And I, um, uh, I one second, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I had to clear my throat. So I, um, um, I, uh, I ended up, I uh, met my wife. She worked in the advertising business, and we ended up moving back to New York City where I uh, served um, uh, some large uh, consumer brands. So I worked on the you know, television campaigns for brands such as Tide Detergent and Tylenol Pain Medication and, um, 
And so I loved the advertising business, and I was having a great time. And um, we lived in Manhattan for three years, and then we lived out in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was active in our church in Brooklyn, and a man by the name of Bob Provost came and spoke uh, at our missions conference that I had organized. And and uh, he sort of lit the church on fire for international missions, and he organized a short-term missions trip to the country of Albania. Mm-hmm. And we went there, and God began to open my eyes to what um, – he was doing in the former Soviet countries. This would have been in the early 90s. And um, eventually he came to this ministry uh, as the president, and um, I was in the middle of a transition. I was just given my the, my, my dream job offer in New York City, mm-hmm. and he called me and asked if I would consider uh, transitioning out of um, advertising into ministry to help him, quote, uh, his his line was to me, we have a great story to tell about what God is doing a half a world away through those faithful churches in the former Soviet Union. And we need a professional like you, a professional like you to tell that story. So I came, and, and, um, and uh, on the same day I got the job offer in New York, he offered me the job to come to the ministry. And my wife and I looked at each other and said, uh, this is where God is leading us. So mm-hmm. So we came here in the mid-90s. I was here for about seven years. The Lord called me to other uh, activities. And uh, I went off and I consulted with hundreds of faith-based organizations, helping them in their in their um, fundraising and marketing and communications programs. And then when Dr. Provost retired, um, the board brought me back as the president. So I've been here since uh, May of 2017. All right. So you guys yeah. have a have a uh, uh, campaign or program. I don't know exactly what you call it, but it's called Christ Over COVID. Tell, tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Well, when when uh, when with the onset of the virus, um, you know, I began to pray about what we might, how we might be able to assist the churches um, in this in this new reality that we had found ourselves in. Mm-hmm. I had worked with SIM on a program uh, during the Ebola crisis called Pray to End Ebola. And so I went back and looked at some of the underlying strategies for that. And uh, and I came and the Lord sort of opened up the doors uh, for this particular campaign. So I, the first thing that I recognized, uh, and I think a lot, and, and I recognize the same thing that churches do, and that is that uh, this COVID situation, um, even though it's an extremely difficult situation where a lot of people are suffering, uh, I think it's the greatest opportunity or the most significant opportunity for the proclamation of the gospel uh, in those countries since the wall came down. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, as I'm sure you talk to you know other people about this, is that you know people are looking around and there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty about right. what the future holds. People are thinking, if I walk into the Costco and I pick up the virus, I'll be you know gone in in a couple of weeks, and where am I going to spend eternity? Um, and so our foundations are being shaken, both here as well as in those countries. But in this country, um, you know, we have a pretty strong infrastructure uh, so that those people who are affected by it, um, you know, at least can survive. But in those countries over there, uh, when the when this with the onset of what happened in Russia in particular, their economy is primarily based upon the price of oil and that market crashed. And so many people have lost their jobs. Uh, many people have lost their, you know, apartments, or, and um, and they're just really struggling. And again, they don't have the they don't have the infrastructure to uh, to meet their needs. 
So in Moscow, Moscow represents about two thirds of the assets of a country that's roughly 10 you know, time zones long. So in Moscow, there's some level of safety net, but once you get out into the cities, towns and villages, there really isn't nothing there. There really isn't anything there. So uh, in those cases, the churches, you know, are really, you know, in, in, in many situations, the churches are their only source of, 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 of hope and resources. So we have a network of roughly 6,350 churches that we're connected to across 10 countries. We can get resources and humanitarian aid uh, to the exact point of need in just about any part of those countries. So the first thing we did, we uh, had we developed a worldwide call to prayer uh, that we call um, Christ over COVID, much prayer, much power. We have thousands and thousands of people praying on a daily basis who are receiving daily updates uh, through an email uh, program that we're doing. And then uh, we're uh, raising funds and we're, we're transferring the funds out to those different regions. They are purchasing food, uh, dividing them into food packets. Um, many of those churches are aware of people who are in need, but they'll also go to their local governments to get the list of, pe- of people who are in desperate need. And they go around and they develop food and they and they distribute food packets to folks. Um, they sit with them, uh, they pray with them, uh, and and there's many many opportunities for them to share the gospel with them. The food packets generally last five to you know, 10 days for a family of four, and then they'll return with another one, continue to build on the relationship. And many, many, many people have heard the gospel, and many people have come to faith in Christ as a result of, of this uh, wonderful ministry. So um, so we're really, you know, the church is being lifted up in those countries. I mean, they're, they're lights and dark places. Um, you know, in the war zone in eastern Ukraine, we have significant ministry there, and those people had already been suffering, but it's just getting worse for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and this is, you know, our partnership with those churches has just opened up tremendous doors and opportunities uh, for the for the spread of the gospel, and God is blessing it in significant ways. Great. So, yeah, what are some stories you've been hearing since this launched? Well, let's see. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot. Stories yesterday. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll, I'll share one with you. Um, I'll tell you one story. Um, uh, Lyra, 38 years old. Um, uh, she has two children. Um, one's five years old. The other one's six years old. Um, and one of the father was killed, and and uh, the other one, she doesn't uh, have any contact with them. Uh, it got so desperate that she turned to prostitution to support her kids. Oh wow! And the local church connected with her. And um, they led her to Christ, and now she and the children are attending. She's attending church, and the children are sent, attending the Sunday school. And the church has reached out to meet to her, to to her, to share the love of Christ with her. Um, she repented of her sin, and and now she's a believer, and she's coming to church on a regular basis, and uh, and uh, she's part of the church family. So. Um, uh, we have another one, Vanya, who lives in a poor village uh, in the war zone, and the mother's an alcoholic. Uh, she beats him. Um, his older brother beats him, and it's a very dysfunctional situation. So he ends up uh, just wandering the streets at night and has nowhere to go. And so the local church connected with him, invited him into the church, and uh, gave him some food, and uh, gave put together a food packet so he could go home and give it to his family. And the family softened uh, to him and softened to the gospel. And now the mother's coming to church and, um, and Bonnie is attending Sunday school on a regular basis. 
So it really is. It's uh, those are just a couple of the many many ones that we receive. Um, we work. We do a lot of work. Um, we have a ministry called Orphans Reborn, mm-hmm. and so we have we equip workers to go into state-run orphanages on a, on a weekly basis to minister to children and share the gospel with them and conduct Bible studies. Uh, in many cases, those orphanages have been shut down because the funding disappeared. Yeah. And in, 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 in many of those kids are what they call source, social orphans. And so they're, they're taken out of their homes because of violence and dysfunction. And now they're being put back into those dysfunctional homes. And so the workers in those villages are very concerned about it. So they will visit the kids on a regular basis and, um, and uh, deliver humanitarian aid to the families and just uh, obviously to make sure they're okay, but also mm-hmm. share the love of Christ with them. So because it's done on a local basis, there's a real personal touch to this ministry, not only in terms of the ability to share the gospel with, with these folks, but also to follow up and, um, and begin the discipleship process with them as well. And so that's why we're seeing such tremendous fruit. Great. So how can, how can people get involved with SGA? Well, we have a website that's sga.org. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in this particular um, ministry, it's sga.org slash COVID. And, and again, you can sign up. And, and we, we, get, we, we receive so many reports on a daily basis uh, that uh, we are filtering those reports back uh, five days a week um, uh, through this updated prayer um, uh, email that we send. So... It's a it's a report on somebody whose life life has been impacted, and there's a devotional attached to it, and there's specific prayer requests. And again, we have many many people praying with us on a regular basis, and God is blessing. God is God is answering those prayers because one of our specific prayers is that God would open the hearts of the people in those countries to hear His word, and that He would direct His workers uh, to those individuals in whose hearts He is working. And uh, we are seeing story after story after story where that specific prayer is being answered. Great. So um, are, are there any way, ways for people to, uh, beyond prayer, beyond giving, to directly get involved with your ministry? Well, um, it's, in some cases, we do, we do, you know, we do have some uh, mission, short-term missions trips that we have organized to go over there. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to open up for many, many months to come. Right. Um, so, yeah. So uh, there's not. I mean, we're we're in a we're, we're sort of a, what we call an equipping ministry. So we equip the churches uh, mm-hmm. overseas to do that, and and so many many um, many uh, of our supporters uh, will uh, will actively support these missionary pastors and their families. Uh, as they're working in these previously unreached towns and villages, so we filter, you know, regular reports back to them about uh, the activities of their church planners that they support. So that's, I mean, that's one that's one way. Mm-hmm. But because it's a half a world away, it's difficult for people to actively participate. I mean, I used to raise money for a lot of rescue missions, and you know, the mm-hmm. rescue missions are in the communities. They have tremendous opportunities for people to come in and volunteer. But you know, because of the distance, it's kind of difficult. But um, right. But you know, for us. We we just I mean we we have we have more stories about life change in this ministry and I, I've consulted with hundreds of Christian nonprofit organizations I've never seen anything like this before, and so people are just blessed to see you know the way in which God is working in the hearts and the lives of these people and and that's what get, that's that's how people get excited about what you're doing you know. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, hey, Michael, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll yeah, you're to, very welcome. Thank we'll you have to have you back questions. on for yeah. an update down the road. So, uh, God bless. Yeah, you. yeah. So right now, just real, yeah. So again, yeah, go right ahead. now we're at one point one. We're at one point six million distributed meals, and we want mm-hmm. to continue to grow that, and um, as the Lord provides. So, great. Yeah. Well, God bless you. Okay. And again, that's S- thank you very much. Hey, you're very okay. welcome. And again, uh, listeners, that's sga.org. Um, and actually, looking at his website right now, or the organization's website, and there's a link to the Christ over COVID right on the home page. So mm-hmm. uh, just go to sga.org uh, and, and sign up. So thank you so much, and God bless you. God bless you as well. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. And that concludes today's episode of the Caffeinated Thoughts Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you happen to be listening to this podcast somewhere other than on our website, please be sure to check out caffeinatedthoughts.com. Again, that's caffeinatedthoughts.com. Or you could just Google at the uh, Caffeinated Thoughts and it'll show up at the top of your search screen. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, sign up so you can get our emails. That way you don't miss a single update. And, you know, subscribing to our podcast, it's probably more convenient for you and it's better for us. That way you don't miss a single uh, episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts if you like us or if you follow us on Apple Podcasts or, excuse me, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please uh, give us a five-star rating. Uh, If you don't like what you hear and uh, just forget I said anything about rating us. So uh, we're also on Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. If there's a, an app we're missing, you know, please uh, drop me a line at Shane at CaffeinatedThoughts.com and, and I'll try to see if, uh, if I can make that happen. Until next time, my friends, uh, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. 